Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to each of you in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, you've tuned in to the Sword of the Spirit podcast, and I'm your host, Brother Marcus Taylor. And as always, it's a privilege and an honor to come before God's people sharing in the word of the Lord. Amen. All right. But today uh, we have a good topic, uh, one that if we all stop and think about it, we could shout and, and praise God for because his grace, his mercy is abundant every day. Amen. But we're going to be talking about grace this morning. So I want you to get your paper, get your pen, and by all means, get your Bible. And I want you to meet me in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, because we're going to be going through uh, most, most of that chapter. Amen. But before we get started in our study for today, I want to breathe a word of prayer. Heavenly and righteous Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for another day. Lord, it's because of you that we live, move, and have our being, and we could do nothing aside from you, Father God. Lord, we bless your holy name and thank you for your abundant grace and mercy which you have showered upon us today, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for another opportunity to bring the word of God to your people. Thank you, Father God, for, for, your, for your love which you shared for us when you gave your son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for our sins and transgressions. Thank you, Father God, for not giving up on us when sometimes we give up on ourselves. Father God, I pray for those in nursing homes. I pray for those in prisons. I pray for the homeless, Lord, those who are sick and afflicted with this virus. Father God, I pray that you would do a miraculous healing right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And Lord, I thank you Lord, for all the things that you're about to do. Lord, thank you, Lord God, Lord, for blessing us and keeping us and watching over us in the midst of these dark times. Father God, we, want, we know one thing and that you are still in control. And you are still seated on your throne. And Father God, we don't place our trust and our hope in men, but we place our trust and our hope in you. And Father God, I, in, I decrease. And I ask that the Holy Spirit will increase. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And I give you glory, honor, and praise. These things I ask in the precious name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is so, and amen. All right, we're going to be talking about grace today. So, like I said, get your Bibles and your paper and pen. Take a few notes if you need to. Um, it's not going to be like a regular teaching where I'm going to use a lot of scripture. I'm going to try to keep this in the second chapter of Ephesians, amen, so that uh, I can kind of give you a foundation uh, that's rooted and grounded in that chapter. It's very it's actually a very good chapter to read on your own. So after we do even get through with this segment, I would, you know, I would admonish you to take time to just read the whole second chapter of Ephesians for yourself. Amen. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get started, um, starting at uh, verse one. But before I do that, I want to give you kind of a background on what's actually happening. Um, if you get a kind of a mental picture of what the Apostle Paul was seeing and what he was actually trying to do. It'll probably help you better understand this second chapter. See, Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, if you look at it, is filled with numerous theological and practical insights. This second chapter takes us from death to life, from hostility to peace. This second chapter also shows us that there is an important connection between God's grace and human interrelationships amen now this first section that i um that i want to kind of go over i've kind of titled it spiritual death 
You see, the Apostle Paul, by telling his readers, you were dead in your tra transgressions and sins in which you used to live, which is found in Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2. All humans, me, you and all of everyone who, who is a human, starts in a state of spiritual death. Whether we have many transgressions or only a few, a life not oriented or focused on God can only lead us to death. Amen. The Apostle Paul is taking a, talking to average people, socially respectable people, when they follow the ways of the world, unknowingly they followed the devil. Amen. The ruler of the kingdom of air, as the Bible says, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's found in verse number two. Now, in living the way they thought best, they were actually unknowingly following the devil and disobeying God. Amen. Christians did it too. All of us also lived among them. The Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we were gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, just like the world, following its desires and thoughts, just like the world. And we were by nature objects of wrath to God. Amen. That's found in verse 3. What we have to realize is that before Jesus Christ came and gave his life for us, we were actually enemies of God. And I think if people were realized that we were at the wrath of God, we could have been at the wrath of God. I think a lot more people would be a, a whole lot more inclined to praise and worship God the way that they need to. Because think about this. You don't want to be. Or you don't want to come under the wrath of a sovereign and holy and righteous God. Amen. Now, because of the fact that we're we're in a time today where we're going through with this virus. I believe that because of the iniquity, because of the sin, because of the blatant disobedience and irrespect. That should have been given to God, that God has allowed this to take place. To be honest, it's been a long time coming. I look back at the at the story about Sodom and Gomorrah and looking at where we are in our world today. I think we've exceeded that a hundred times over. Now, that's just looking at where we are today, but it's the truth. They were they did some crazy stuff back then and God wiped out that wiped that city out till it was nothing. So. It's only because of the grace and mercy of God that we're still here because we're doing the same things. Homosexuality was probably the one reason why God had to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. But they had some other sins, too, just like we do. But look around. This is something that has been accepted in our society. Amen. But the Bible doesn't condone it. And with the Bible doesn't condone it. Then I have to go with what the Bible says because I follow God. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 and 11, my word shall not come void, but it shall accomplish that for which I've sent it. In other words, if God said it, I believe it and it is so. Amen. But again, I just thank God for his grace and his mercy, because if it had not been for God's grace and mercy, where would we be? Amen. All right. Now, we 
as sinful beings, we, before we got saved, we live with no thought other than to take care of our desires. And if you're honest, you can say amen. And as a result of that, we were objects of wrath, as I just mentioned, under the judgment of God. I'll write this scripture reference down so you can go back and, and read this one. It's Romans 2 and verse 5. For the second time, I won't read it, but write that down and go back and study that one for yourself. Amen. Now, this next section uh, that I want to continue on studying is I titled this one Spiritual Life. You see, God's wrath is not the end of the story. Because of his great love for which he loves us, God, who has always been rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Amen. It is by grace you have been saved, according to Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5. Now, the judge of all humanity is full of mercy. And even when we were guilty and without any excuse, get this, he forgave us. Insofar as we sin, we are dead. But as much as we are in Christ, we are alive. A life in Christ is much more than the physical existence we are familiar with. Our new life family has a different quality of it. A heavenly quality, if you will. An eternal quality. When we become Christians, our identity changes. We become new people. The old self dies and a new person lives. We die with Christ. We were buried with him. And we also live with Christ. I write this scripture reference down Galatians 2 and verse 20. And I'll quote that one for you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who now lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I do it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. God raised each of us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's found in our, our cha second chapter of Ephesians, verse number six. Those who have faith in Christ are seated with him in glory. It is so sure that the Apostle Paul can say that it has been done. God did this in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. He expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, which is in verse seven, God's grace, which is already at work in our lives. But to the extent of his grace, we will be revealed with much greater clarity in the future. That's something to look forward to. The Apostle Paul then summarizes the way that God is working. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God verse number eight in the Greek the words grace and faith are feminine but Paul uses a neutered form of the word and see Paul is not saying that faith is a gift of God or that grace 
is a gift of God. They are. But here the Apostle Paul is saying that all salvation, all salvation, say it one more time, all salvation is a gift of God. None of it comes from ourselves, not by works, so that no one, no man, no woman, no child can boast. That's in verse 9. No one can brag about having faith of works or works since God has done it. He gets all the credit, all the glory, and all the praise. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God himself has prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. That's found in verse 10. Even our good works are a result of the way God is working and using us. You see, he created us for his purpose and to do his sovereign and holy will, not our own. The Apostle Paul expects believers to be obedient and we should be obedient because no one I know would die for me. So it makes sense that if Jesus came and offered up his body as a living sacrifice to die for me, then the least I can do is live my life for him because we could never repay what Jesus did. But to be disobedient is actually a slap in the face of the one who gave his life to you. So why would you want to do anything contrary to what the word of the Lord says? Now, again, Romans 3 and 23 always says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God that in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, God's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all that unrighteousness. Now, Paul, again, like I said, he expects all believers to be obedient. He says that we used to be disobedient, but that in Christ we are created anew so that we might have a different foundation for how we live today. This new life is a result of our salvation, not the cause of it. Our works should be good, but they can never be good enough that we deserve to be saved. Get that. Now I'll say that again. Our works should be good, but they can never be good enough that we deserve to be saved. We are saved by God's grace, by God's mercy, and by God's love in and through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. This next section, I've titled that one, Unity in Christ. The Apostle Paul begins to address a practical matter within the church. The tensions between Jewish and Gentile believers. Because we are saved by God's grace and because we are saved for good works, our attitudes and our behaviors towards one another ought to change. The Apostle Paul begins by writing to the Gentiles. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision that done in the body 
by the hands of man. That's what circumcision is. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. That's found in verse 11 and 12 of our, our text chapter in Ephesians. Amen. Now, going back and doing a study, the Jews actually looked down on the Gentiles, calling them uncircumcised or separated or not worthy. This insult was a reminder that the Gentiles were not in the covenant of Abraham and not included in the blessings promised to him. Now, although circumcision was a human work, it reflected a spiritual reality. The Gentiles were separated from Christ, God, hope, and promise. But that has now been changed. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm right in verse 13. Once they were separated from Christ, now they are united with him. Once they were excluded, now they are included. They have hope. They have the love of God in their hearts because of the death of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one. Verse 14. What too is the Apostle Paul talking about? He's actually talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. The peoples who used to be in different spiritual categories are now united and made one in Jesus Christ. The Jews were just like the Gentiles in being spiritually dead. You see, the Gentiles are now like the Jews in that through Christ, they are members of the people of God. Amen. Jesus has made the two peoples one, bringing them together, bringing the outsiders in by bringing the Gentiles just as close as he does the chosen people of Israel. Now, through Christ, they both have the promises, the citizenship and the hope. And they also have God, which is very important. Where there was a rivalry between the Jews and the Gentiles, Jesus has made peace. Thanks be to God. Because both peoples are now equally saved by grace. And no one has any reason to feel superior over the other one. Amen. Now, this next section or section of scripture that I want to go over in this second chapter, I'm titling this one, Abolishing the Law, amen? Now, the question should be asked, how did Jesus make peace between the Jews and the Gentiles? I'm glad you asked. It's because he, talking about Jesus, has destroyed the barrier or the dividing wall of hostility, as it says in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. And what was the wall that created this hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles? Again, I'm glad you asked. 
the Apostle Paul's answer this question when he says that Jesus destroyed the barrier. And how did he do it? By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations as stated in verse 15. The wall of hostility was the law which the commandments and regulations separating the Jews from the Gentiles. This law defined who was on which side of the barrier. It said who had the promises and who belonged to the people of God. Now, some of the Jews had created laws that made the Jew-Gentile hostility worse. But the Apostle Paul is not talking about human-made laws. Christ did not need to abolish human-made laws because they had no spiritual authority in the first place. Amen. Paul is talking about the barriers in connection with God. He's talking about spiritual realities, not human traditions. Amen. Paul is talking about laws that divided Jew from Gentile in the sight of an almighty and sovereign God. Laws that had to be abolished by the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which is found in verse 16. Jesus did not have to die to eliminate human regulations. No, he didn't have to. Rather, he died to bring an end to the old covenant. Get that. Jesus died to bring an end to the old covenant. Now, our text chapter Ephesians 2 is therefore an agreement with what we read in the book of Acts chapter 15. Write these scripture references down or these chapters down. Acts 15, 2 Corinthians 3, Galatians 3, chapters 3 and 4. Read those. Also, I want you to look at Colossians chapter 2 and Hebrews 7 through 10. That's a lot of reading. But in order to get an understanding of what we're talking about here, it's vitally important that you take time to do as 2 Timothy says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. So I want you to read those chapters in those particular books of the Bible. Amen. It will bless you. Now, the old covenant came to an end with the death of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The old covenant had defined Jew and Gentiles, creating the distinction. And Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, made the two peoples one by destroying that divider, that wall of separation. Jesus himself abolished the old covenant with its regulations and commandments. The people of God are no longer defined by the old covenant laws. Jesus Christ's purpose, Paul says, was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility in the first place. I'm in verses 15 and 16. Before Christ, there were two kinds of people, dead Jews and dead Gentiles. Both people needed to be 
reconciled to God. As I mentioned earlier, we were enemies of God before Jesus Christ came and gave his life for us. And this is what Christ did on that cross. The result is a new people, a people who are alive in Christ, alive to God. Amen. Now, Jesus came and preached peace to you who were afar off. Talking about the Gentiles. Peace to those who were near. Talking about the Jews. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now we're in verses 17 and 18. The Apostle Paul is proclaiming equality for Gentile believers and unity of all Christians. People of different ethnic groups, people of different denominations, get this, are one in Christ. Now let me stop there for a minute. We had to realize that, sure, we got, we got black churches, we got white churches, we got Hispanic churches, we got churches of all ethnic backgrounds. But we all profess to love the same God. So why aren't we all unified as one? Why are we still separated? I just read and explained to you that Jesus Christ broke down the wall, the barrier of separation We've been, we've been talking about the separation between the Jews and the Gentiles, but yet here we are in 2020 and we got a separation. Some go to their churches because they're of one ethnic, ethnic background and some go to another. Sure, you have a few churches that mingle together, but not enough. Again, we profess that we love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we believe what his word says. But yet, we don't want to walk in love and in unity, as the Bible says. Amen. Now, this next section I'm going to talk about is talking about the building, or I should say one building. Consequently, you Gentiles are no longer foreigners or aliens, but fellow citizens with God and members of God's households, household as stated in verse 19. Now, through Christ, we are members of God's family. The Apostle Paul then shifts to a different metaphor built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, as stated in verse 20. Moses, which we all know, is not our foundation. The apostles and the prophets are. And the Apostle Paul is probably speaking of the New Testament prophets as he does in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 5. But even more important than this is the foundation is the fact that Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. He, in other words, he is our primary point of reference. He is our foundation, if you will. In him, the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Now I'm in verse 21. You see, family, our unity is in Christ, not in ourselves. And as we are growing in him, we are in a place of acceptable worship. In other words, worship the Lord in all that you do. Amen. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
In other words, God being a holy and sovereign God won't live in any building, any body that's not righteous. Amen. Now I'm in verse 22. As we are in Christ, and I'm coming to a close here, as we are in Christ through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through seeing ourselves as his people, we are growing closer to one another, or we should be. And God is living in us by his spirit. And I think if people would realize that God is living in us through his spirit, I think a lot of times our mindsets would be a little bit different as how we conduct and how we live our everyday life. If the Holy Spirit is living in us, then God is living in us. For the Holy Spirit is God. Amen. You see, family, you have to realize that God's grace and his mercy, as I stated earlier in this in, us, in this teaching, is not because we're good. It's not because we deserve it. It's because of his love. And it's the fact that he loved us enough to show us his grace and his mercy that we should be thankful. Amen. Thank God. For his love towards us in spite of the mess ups, despite of the iniquity, despite of the sin that we continually do. And it's not to say that we purposely go out and try to do to try to sin because because if you do that, then the question should be asked, are you really saved? Because if you willfully on a continually on a continual basis set your mind to go out and do and go contrary to what the word of God is saying, then you have to ask yourself, am I really saved? Amen. Well, I hope this particular teaching on grace has kind of cleared some things up for you. And I pray that it was a blessing to you. Take time to go back and read the scriptures that I gave you, the chapters and the you know chapters that I asked you to write down and study this for yourself. And I know that you'll be blessed. Grace and peace be multiplied to each of you in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Until next time, thank you for tuning in and God bless you all. Amen.